Good morning. My name is Nayaswami Bharat, and this is Nayaswami Anandi. And it's our great pleasure to celebrate Sunday service with you on this beautiful Sunday at Ananda Village. We'd like to uh, uh, welcome all our guests online throughout the world. And I'd like to start with reading Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda, Commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible. And our reading for this week is The Promise of the Scriptures. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 15, we read the famous parable of the prodigal son. Jesus tells us of the man who took the wealth bestowed on him by his father and squandered it in foreign lands where he fell into evil ways. At last repentant, he returned to his father's home. When his father saw him, he was, Jesus tells us, moved with compassion and ran and fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, fetch quickly the best robe and put it on him and give him a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and bring out the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and make merry, because this my son was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Small-hearted human beings, identified as they are with their little egos, give exaggerated importance to any slight that they receive from others. Thus... They imagine God, like them, to be petty, unpardoning, and vindictive. In God's eyes, however, when human beings go astray, there is nothing to forgive. All of us are aspects only of his own self. He who made, made us resides in us. He is not far away from us in some far-off heaven. His call to us always is to return to our own home within. The way of return is, to, is described in the Bhagavad Gita in the sixth chapter. Supreme blessedness is that yogis who has completely calmed his mind, controlled his ego-active tendencies, rajas, and purged himself of desire, thereby attaining oneness with Brahma, the infinite spirit. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Well, I'd like to say welcome also. It is a joy to be here always. And I'd like to begin by reading um, from Whispers to Maternity, Yogananda's magnificent book of prayers and poems. And this is uh, one of the 
very special ones. Oh, Father, when I was blind, I found not a door which led to thee. But now that thou hast opened my eyes, I find doors everywhere, through the hearts of flowers, through the voice of friendship, through sweet memories of all lovely experiences. Every gust of my prayer opens a new door in the vast temple of thy presence. Well, this morning we have the exquisitely beautiful story of the prodigal son and also Swamiji's exquisitely beautiful commentary on it. In the prodigal son, the young man, as we know, takes his inheritance and runs away and squanders it in riotous living, as the Bible tells us. And then where he's living, uh, there comes a famine and he's starving. And as he's feeding the pigs, he thinks my father's servants are eating better than I am. I'm going to go back and ask him if I can serve in his household. And so the prodigal son is sort of familiar to us, isn't it? Because I think all of us came to the spiritual path because we were starving. We were living in the world, doing our version of riotous living, maybe not all that riotous, but maybe pretty riotous for some of us. And, uh, and it was, we were starving. It, it, there was nothing in it for us. And when we came to search on the spiritual path, we really didn't expect much. I certainly didn't expect much. I wanted to find out who I was. I wanted to find connection with myself. I had no idea what was going to be offered in terms of the love and the welcome and the blessings that would happen, that is happening for all of us in our lives. So God is saying to us in this reading, I know, and Swami expresses it very well, you are never separate from me. It doesn't matter what you do. You don't need to ask forgiveness. I am not ever separate from you. Swami Kriyananda said to us once, remember, the guru is you. The guru isn't there. The guru is the very utmost, highest aspect of our own being that we are trying to find. And that guru totally understands all of the weaknesses physical, emotional, karmic, everything that we have to go through because he's right within us. He's never separate from us. So this journey is not a journey. We're just trying to uh, release all the things that make us feel we're separate. We're trying to find who we are inside of ourselves. It should be not that hard, right? I mean, God is on our side. We're trying to seek God realization and God's saying, well, you already have me. I don't judge you in any way. I love you. One of uh, Master's um, disciples, his name was Andy Anderson, and he was the foreman on the construction projects at Mount Washington. 
he was an alcoholic and he uh, had some marital problems. And so he phoned Master and wanted to talk. Master said, come see me. I'm out here at the desert, uh, desert retreat, 29 Palms. And so Andy drove there from Los Angeles. He was drunk when he left Los Angeles. And in his nervousness of wondering what he would say to Yogananda, what this visit would be like, he kept drinking all the way there. So by the time he arrived in 29 Palms, he was a complete mess. Yogananda enfolded him in his arms. He said, I love you. I will always help you. That is the promise of the scriptures, the title of this week's reading. That is the promise of God and the gurus. In the autobiography of a yogi, Master apologizes to Sri Yukteswar for something that he feels he, he did wrong. And Sri Yukteswar says to him, I don't have any expectations from people. So nothing anyone does can be in opposition to my wishes. I'm happy only in your happiness. That's our journey. We have with us we have in us and with us and all around us the 100% support of God and the gurus and our own soul. And it's just a matter of getting the rest of us into alignment. And what do we have? We have, of course, our body. That's a little bit of an obstacle. We have um, a karma. That's a kind of an unknown minefield that we walk through all the time. We have um, our subconscious mind. So, you know, there's a few obstacles uh, that we have to work with. But to know, just as in the Bhagavad Gita, when Krishna, Arjuna chooses Krishna to guide his army, we have God guiding us in this, in this battle. We have God on our, driving our chariot. We have God on our side. We cannot lose. It's just a matter of time. So just to move forward and know that, yes, I have to deal with my physical body, my karma, and my emotions, but I, I have tremendous support and no judgment coming to me from God. Master gave an amazing talk. Uh, it's a CD called Reincarnation. It may have a slightly different name, but basically that's the concept is reincarnation. And he says um, something fairly astonishing. He talks to the audience and he says, I want you to close your eyes now. Those of you here can uh, do this. You can do this at home. And just think of your life. Just bring to mind your life. And then he doesn't give them very long to do this. And then he says, OK, now, is what you brought to mind the mistakes that you've made in your life? Or is what you've brought to mind the good things, the goodness that's in you in your life? He said, if you've brought to mind the mistakes that you've made in your life, you're going to be unhappy. <clears throat> if you've brought to mind the good things you've done, and to take that even deeper, you could also bring to mind your, yourself as a child of God, your oneness with your, your divine friend, your, your beloved. You could take it very, very deep on the positive qualities. He said, then you're going to be happy. 
But the amazing thing and the most important thing that I wanted to point out is he said, if you bring to mind your mistakes and your shortcomings, not only will this life be unhappy, but you will reincarnate with those same qualities. Now, is that horrible or what? I mean, think about that. Um, it's bad enough that we deal with these mistakes and challenges and, and shortcomings in this life. You would think that, okay, well, that was it. That was my karma. It's done. And it was. It was our karma. However, by mentally identifying with it, we ourselves embrace it and take it with us. And that is actually a choice that we have. The karma happened. You know, we had these things happen. We did these mistakes or we had these negative qualities, whatever, that was our karma. But to the extent that we embrace them, we invite them into our next life. Because as we think of ourselves, that's how we think of ourselves. And when we go to create another life and another body, well, we already have a plan. Unfortunately, it didn't make us happy in the last life, and it's not going to work in the next life. So he's saying, look, don't do this to yourself. He said, we actually have a choice in terms of our reincarnation. It, it's, it's not really the way most people understand things. But it's because you can pick up anything and turn it in any direction. Yes, there were certain facts that may have happened, certain things you might have done in this life, certain things that might have been done to you in this life, but you can turn it in, in a different way so that it opens up into something positive, into something strong, into something that offers you potential instead of um, contraction. Uh, Swami Kriyananda, about 15 years before he died, so he was probably in his 70s, early 70s, I think, was giving a talk in the amphitheater here at the uh, Ananda Village. And in the talk he said, this week the thought came to me, I wonder if anything I've done in my life has ever pleased Master. Well, that was a pretty radical thing for him to say, and it had a sort of a sad vibration to it, very, very unlike Swami Kriyananda. And I just <laughs> inwardly just went, oh my gosh. And then he immediately said, but when I felt that thought, I knew it came from Satan. Because Satan always tries to discourage us. God never wants to discourage us. So when we have these feelings coming up, and that's why Master was saying it's so important to look at them. How do they make you feel? If you're having thoughts in your mind, if you're telling a story in your mind, and we all have stories that we tell. We tell stories about how we came to be who we are. We take facts in our lives and we weave a story around it. We have stories about how other people are and how they interact with us. And we repeat those stories to ourselves. But you need to look, we need to look at those stories and say, does this story <clears throat> make me feel like a child of God, like an all-powerful, um, omnipresent, omniscient, full of joy child of God? Or does this story make me feel less? Does this story make me feel discouraged or unhappy in any way? And if 
that's the case, then we need to say, okay, that story needs revision because I didn't, God didn't write that story. Satan wrote that story, <clears throat> and I need to edit it. So looking at those stories and saying what works and what, what doesn't work. I had an experience around something like this in my life. Uh, it was many years ago, but it was a very powerful um, lesson from Master. I had a friend, but I noticed that when I was around this friend and we were around other people, uh, I never saw them unless we were around many people, uh, they never actually talked to me. They talked to the people around me, but never to me. And um, it took me a while to notice, but when I noticed, then I you know, got my feelings kind of hurt, and then I got a little bit annoyed. So then I made up a little story about them <laughs> and why they were rude and you know, so forth and so on. And, but I am a disciple, and so I send them light. So I'm, after the end of my meditation, I think of this person, bring them to mind, send them light. But the story goes on in my head. <laughs> the light goes on, but the story goes on. And uh, so nothing is happening. You know, my feelings aren't changing, and these, these circumstances aren't changing. But one Sunday when I was ending my meditation, sending them light, uh, the thought dawned on my brain, and I have to say I think it was from my guru, how do you treat this person? Do you think of them as a friend? Do you give them energy? Do you give them energy? And I thought, no, I don't. And, then, and so then in my mind, in my meditation room, I'm sitting there, I start to think of this person as my buddy, my pal, my, my beloved friend, and I start to shower affection on them at the end of my meditation. I'm just bathing them in my friendship. And then I walk to Sunday service, and Swami's giving the service in the temple, and which means it's very crowded, so there's chairs filling up the dining room, and the old-timers are kind of standing around in the dining room waiting to see that the guests and the new people are seated, and then we'll, we'll figure out where we're going to sit. So I'm standing in the middle of the expanding light dining room, and this friend of mine, who I've been praying for for a long time, uh, uh, walks in the back door, walks through the many people in the dining room, walks halfway across the room, comes over to me and starts talking to me for 20 minutes. I just went, oh my gosh. I mean, I, thought, I said, Master, inwardly, I said, Master, you are good. I mean, that was a very, very dramatic lesson about what story are you telling? And if you change your story, and if you change your energy, look what can happen. So, thank you, God. <laughs> but, that's, but that's what's happening. Is that story working for us really? No. Then let's just take the same facts and let's just turn them around. I um, have a friend who just finished taking, uh, we give um, our Ananda online course, just um, gave a... Uh, a spiritual counseling, spiritual counselor training. Nayaswami Diksha created a magnificent five-week course, and I, I, I know she would want me to say Nayaswami Diksha in uh, cooperation with, with Master and with Swami Kriyananda because their guidance was, was heavily uh, part of it. 
Um, so this friend of mine took that course. And during the course, uh, the students do some uh, counseling of each other. They do, you know, 20 minute sessions with each other just to practice. And so this woman told me this story and she said that she was facing a family situation where she had to go deal with one of those painful family situations and she knew how awful it was going to be. And she, uh, she was really dreading it, but she knew she had to do it. And so she had a plan to take her husband and take her son with her and that they, they would diffuse the energy and, you know, it wouldn't be quite as awful. And, and so she had created various plans where she was going to make this easier on herself, but all of the other plans fell through. And so now it was just she who was going to go to handle this situation. And so she brought that to her sample counseling situation. And she said to her counselor, she said, I just, I'm just dreading this. I just don't want to do this alone. And her counselor, who is a disciple of master, just said to her very gently, are you going alone? And immediately, of course, my friend got the message and realized, okay, it's a totally different story here. I'm a disciple. I have tools. I have, I can apply my creativity instead of dreading this thing. I'm going to say, how can I use the many tools that I have to be a channel of good energy, not just a victim of bad energy, but how can I take charge of the energy and be a channel for God? And she did that. She took the same facts, she turned them around, and the whole experience, which was a week-long experience, which is very long, um, turned into a tremendous blessing for her. I said, that was your, I said to her, that was your real final exam for the, for the course, wasn't it? It was, how can I use these tools to channel my energy in a positive way? So we want to look at those stories and say, is this story serving me. We assume that everything we tell ourselves is true, um, and it may have a fact involved in it, but truth is always beneficial. And so if that story is true, that means it has to uplift you. You have to find a way within it to change the way you're looking at it and to help it be not just a source of misery, but to be a jumping off point for bringing more strength and more light and more um, possibilities into our lives. So some of those things, some of those stories are very deeply, some of them are very obvious, they're in our conscious mind. Some of them are very deeply um, buried inside of us. And those are going to be harder but we have Kriya Yoga, we have the Guru, and we want to be able to bring that up till we just see after a while, there's just, there's just nothing there but this flow of God's light within us. Swami Kriyananda gave an example once of, um, uh, he, was, he was writing The New Path and he had people helping him, he was in Hawaii, and they would bring him every day a thermos of coffee, and he would drink the coffee at, through the day as he worked on the book. And 
then the helpers left, and so then he was making his own coffee. And he, as he filled up the thermos to, um, to pour the amount of uh, water into the uh, pot, the water was icky. It was covered with coffee. They'd never washed out the inside of the thermos. So he said, oh, that's disgusting. So he threw that away, filled it up with water, poured it out again. It was a little bit less uh, covered with coffee, and then filled it up again, and then again and again, until finally the water was clear. And he, he said, this is a, he said, this is a sort of a silly example, but I thought, it's not a silly example at all. It's a perfect example of us trying to be channels of God's light. Yes, of course, our karma, our behavior, all that is caked with the gunk, but we just keep doing the best we can to let that presence of God channel through us, and we just get clearer and clearer and clearer. I wanted to invite you, to, just to close, I wanted to invite you to join me and some friends of mine in a game that we're playing. The game is called I and Thou, and I is each of us. We're all I. And um, we have various things, the stories that we tell, the I, my, means, my, I, my, me, mine stories. And if you look at yourself and if you notice times in your life when you feel miserable, perhaps you feel an anxious or depressed or angry or fearful or any of the many ways that we have of feeling miserable, if you look at your mind and what it's thinking, there will be something that's revolving around the thought of I. So when something comes up in this game, it, when you notice a thought coming up that's making you feel afraid or depressed or whatever, go, okay, that's the I thought. Now I'm going to switch to thou. I'm going to let go of the I that was making me unhappy, and I'm going to channel my energy to the best of my ability, 100% through the spiritual eye. I'm going to offer my mind to God. Thou could be God. Thou could be your guru, could be divine mother, the spiritual eye, whatever is the most inspiring to you, but you're putting your 100% attention to rechanneling it to thou. This is a very, very, it's way, way more than a game. I think you understand this. Um, uh, yoga tells us that if we want to find God, if we want to be realized, all we have to do is bring 100% of our energy to the spiritual eye. So that we have Kriya Yoga. We have attunement to the guru. We have devotion. We have all the techniques of rechanneling our energy, but you know, this simple little game can be added to your toolbox, and you never know. It just might take you to realization. God bless you. I told that Swami Kriyananda wrote called Mist.